Hey, Mr. Howard. <laughs> I did not know that was your name. <laughs> uh, uh, hello, Think Fit Be Fit Podcast. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I'm the hostess and creator of Think Fit Be Fit Podcast Network, where we are dedicated to effective thinking for potent exercise. I want to help you think into the undertones of your exercise so that you can actually know what is going on and have that deeper connection to your movement and to your goals and to just keeping exercise as your longevity partner in your life and to tell um to get on the short story of this uh i have a friend and colleague with me uh, Remy, Rory, who I've known for uh, 10 uh, years, maybe. And so I really enjoy having people that have, um, I've watched their careers grow, who's watched my careers grow, and we've supported each other in some way far and near. And today I'd really like to uh, use your knowledge, Remy, as a kettlebell Oh, what is it? Expert, leader, uh, training. Um, I think like a mental, like training leader and help people, you know, have a discussion about non-traditional forms of cardio. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a very exciting topic for a kettlebell trainer because I feel like that is it's such a good entry point for doing this kind of stuff and exploring the body outside of the hamster wheel of the treadmill and the elliptical you know and uh I have some things I wanted to bring in for reference but before we start please introduce uh yourself MNE what you're doing what you're studying to the audience uh Awesome. Yeah, thank you. I, I think you did a great introduction as is, but my name is Remy. Um, been in the fitness industry for about 15 years now. Um, my wheelhouse is probably calisthenics and kettlebells. I love both of those. Um, and I have a gym, Make No Excuses Fit Camp in uh, Old Town, Alexandria. And we, um, we specialize in functional movement. We like to, you know, do exercises that will apply to your life um, and not just, you know, standard, I think, exercises that people have done just for years in general and not even know why they're doing them. So we, we, we try to tailor a plan to where it is you want to be. Um, and I love it. And, you know, on the horizon right now, we're um, really paying a lot more attention into Indian clubs, and I think we'll get deeper into that, but... As a gym, I've been trying to get more people to use them uh, to help with like shoulder issues and things of that nature. So it's kind of where we are. Cool. And you know, like, as I said in my comment before, I'm really scared of those. <laughs> so I can't, wait to, <laughs> I can't wait to learn a little bit more so that I can be, you know, more open. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. always want to, I always strive to be more open and, uh, Fitness has, in a way, taught me that <laughs> because as an MAT practitioner, I'm exposed to so many different types of trainers and different types of modalities because I get my clients from trainers. And we, uh, I often find myself in a position of trying not to judge because, you know, people like to move their body in a particular way. And who am I? You know, to judge, unless they ask me directly, will this hurt my process? Will this hurt my progress? Then I might, you know, but Indian clubs. Okay. I'm learning. And then the background I wanted to share before we got into this is that I'm not sure if you know this, but we have a second show on our feed and that is called fitness for consumption. So yeah. mm -hmm, I'm a network now. I'm a producer. <laughs> among uh, everything yeah. else I do. <laughs> yeah, add that to the list. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I see my future in multimedia. I do. I see I see my reach being uh, extended by this education piece. So yeah, the, the podcast is a network 
And so Mondays I release Think Fit, Be Fit. And then on Wednesdays we have Fitness for Consumption, which is a true gem. It is like sitting in a classroom of exercise science because there's two hosts. One of them is a research scientist, uh, has, you know, it's, it's an amazing experience to be able to actually sit and learn from him. I think he's a wonderful teacher. His name's Paul. And then our other co-host in that show is, is Gregory and Gregory is a mentor, a partner, a friend, um, of Mayan. And I, and he also does muscle activation techniques. So it's this really great combination of my, my take, my, uh, you know, me finding my truth and, and expressing, uh, concerns I have and learning. And then theirs is like much more hard science and research-based, whereas I'm slightly evidence-based. And so anyways, they just published a episode last week. It's called a run for the money. And it's all about the biomechanics of treadmills. It's so cool. So they talk about woodways. They talk about different designs. They talk about force plates. They talk about my favorite part of that episode is when they are (laughs) discussing really just how, how popular it is to demonize treadmills and, and that there's not a whole lot of substance, you know, substance behind that. And that, um, it's, it's really hard to make that claim because so many treadmills are different. There's a lot more to the episode. There's force, there's biomechanics and some great stuff in there. And I thought it would be great to come off the heels of that just to discuss something in the same realm. I mean, how big is the fit? How big is the spectrum of aerobic exercise? They talk, they talked about treadmills for an hour and a half, and I think they could have gone another three hours. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, we're going to bring in this other perspective of non-traditional forms of cardio. I want to tell people what I've been up to in that realm and yeah. And just kind of explore the tools that you're using and yeah. So, um, you know, I have a question. Yeah, go for it. Do you you use treadmills? Do you personally, do you like treadmills? No. Yeah. I use them seldomly if I am, if I want to listen to a podcast, (laughs) um, I have access to a treadmill and, uh, if I want, yeah, essentially if I want to listen to a podcast and not have to worry about tripping over something, (laughs) And that's it. I don't, I've never enjoyed them personally. Uh, and then I do use them in a professional sense because I do gait analysis and, but I do have the, I do have the equipment to take the gait analysis outside, Okay, which is really unique as I learned from that episode. Um, and yeah, so personally, no. And honestly, I am. I have a renewed relationship for aerobic exercise. I was kind of one of those people that said boo-hoo on anything that wasn't strength training. And I honestly thought I could get my body to where I wanted it, I desired, without having to do traditional cardio. So I've just been on this like exploration of that for a while. And I personally have a much renewed relationship and appreciation for what that can do for our body. Right. So that's where I'm at. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> so what comes to mind when I say non-traditional forms of cardio? Mm, like what type like what types of cardio? Um kettlebell swings, um mm. snatches, uh, cleans. Honestly, I was gonna say just lift weights faster. That happens. You know? I that. That's right. And, but for me, there's like a there's a point where that can become dangerous, right? So if a person isn't really hasn't mastered a skill, let's just say the snatch. If you haven't mastered the skill, and I told you to snatch faster, that's probably not the best advice, right? Because you're probably going to hurt yourself doing it even quicker. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest that you know people do that that you you be very proficient at what it is that you're doing if you're going to increase the speed. 
mm-hmm. you know. But it doesn't have to be even lifting weights. I mean, if you just did push-ups quicker, if you did a burpee faster, you know, these, those are the things that I think of when I think of cardio now. Um, it used to be running, like I was a big runner. Well, you but, were uh, in the military too, right? Right, right. So that's kind of where that started, you know. Yeah. And all I did for cardio was run. That's it. Like, <laughs> you know, um, and it just got boring to me because I, I would see my times go up, like the length of time that I was running. But it just, you know, after being out there for an hour and a half, it was just like, okay, now what? You know, so I wanted to find more challenging ways that were still interesting and fun mm-hmm. um, versus running. And I know for some people that is, that's great. Like they like to run three, four hours a day, more power to them. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't doing it for me, so. Yeah, I mean, I look at it from an injury standpoint, of course. Like I've just been, I've dealt with so many foot and ankle injuries and knee injuries on a professional level as an MAT specialist. And then I have my own knee injuries that I have to, make sure there's no additional wear and tear if I want to keep this up, right? If I, I just, today's at workout, I was back squatting for eight reps. And if your knees and feet are fatigued, those things aren't, you know, great, right? That's not going to, it's not going to match the outcome um, that you want. And potentially, I mean, there's so much gray area in that statement, but Anyways, so what um, what about the Peloton sitting behind you? <laughs> so funny story. Uh, I got this from my wife. She saw them and she's like, I want a Peloton. We got it. I said, let me try it. I spent all this money on the thing. It's the worst thing ever for me. Same with the treadmill. Like, I don't like stationary cardio things. Like, I don't like things where I'm not moving. Like, if I had to do a run, I would rather go on the street. Because at least then my environment changes. Um, and I tried like the scene, Peloton has like a scenic ride thing that it just didn't, doesn't do it for me. I'd rather ride my bike, an actual bike. I'd rather take that out on the street. Um, mm-hmm. But again, for some people, it, just, it works for them. You know, you have to kind of go with your personality. Um, some people can eat like the exact same things every day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother them. I'm not like that. I need variety, I need to change things. So, you know, using weightlifting or strength training as my form of cardio enables me to pull from I mean, thousands of exercises, you know, versus running or the skier or, you know, the rowing machine. That's going to be the same thing every time, you know, so it's just boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you used to commute with a bike, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was another way I would get my cardio is. Um, you know, doing that. I tell people now, like my clients, they tell me, you know, they don't have time for this, that, and the other. And a lot of them, especially since quarantine, have been doing like, um, you know, Zoom meetings and things like that. Take that call and go walk, you know, go go for a walk on that call and, and get the heart rate up a little bit. Or if you're able to do a light jog while you're doing that, and if it's something you just have to listen to, before a light job, you know, switch up your training. Don't do the same things over and over and over again forever. Mm. Um, now, when you're, do you write programs for people that, you know, you might see them once a week and then you'll write a program for them? Yeah. I yeah. Do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if we're in this, like, make no excuses mindset, we, like, Non-traditional cardio has to come up a ton, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. 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 What do you, this is an off-the-cuff question for sure. What do you think is the one of the most creative things you've done this year in regards to cardio for your clients or yourself? That's a good one. (laughs) So I do have one. Okay. (laughs) It was extreme a little bit. I have um, a client that I train who's a lawyer. And... um, he was complaining that he used to get his cardio in, his cardio in from the, the stairs up and down his um, office. Like he would never take the elevator. He would always take the stairs. And because they're not going in for court anymore, he was pretty much at home. So I'm like, all right, well, do you have any stairs near your, your home? And he's like, yeah, you know, the, um, 
the, the Masonic Temple mm-hmm. as those stairs. So I would ask him, well, how often did you think you were going up and down the stairs? And, you know, he gave me an assessment of what he thought. So we came up with, um, he has these three meetings that he has to do every day. One in the morning for like the plan of the day, midday telling how it's going, and the end of the day, how it went. So I said, okay, before each one of those meetings, take 10 minutes and go hit the stairs. And because he's like on Zoom and he doesn't have to be like suit and tied up in front of anyone, he could go do that, run home, <laughs> go in a suit shirt, put the tie on, and you know, essentially it looks as if he was never doing any of those things. So that was just an, a situation where I wasn't going to let him get off the hook with, I'm not going into work, so I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Let's just figure it out. Let's, you know, not make an excuse and figure it out. So he, he thought that was funny, but he, he did it. Kudos to him. He kept his cardio up using the stairs. So. Yeah. I, the other thing I, I am always pondering about is, you know, how do we uh, prescribe this type of exercise for someone who's has like knee and hip issues. I think the kettlebell can come in really handy there. I know it has for many of my clients. Um, I guess the Indian clubs would come in really well for that. Right. But I would also ask like, could that person, if that person is able to just walk like in a standard walk, no, no impact, I would again, put a kettlebell in their hand and have them do loaded carries. Mm. Just walk with it. That's going to be cardio. If you walk with a heavy enough load, far enough, your heart rate is going to go up. Trust me. Yeah. I used to roll my eyes at that until <laughs> I started doing it. Right. Yeah. Everyone does. It's one of those things that looks really easy, but if you've ever carried groceries very far, yeah. You know, in the car, when you, when you sit them down, you're like, oh. you know, that's the feeling you, you get when you go for a long run. Yeah. But it has a good quote. Um, I believe it was Dan John, I may be misquoting who said it, but I believe it was Dan John, who said, if you're not doing cardio, you're dead. Mm. So if you really think about that, we put so much emphasis on like, I need to do cardio. You're always doing cardio. Your heart's always, you know, pumping. And if it's not, you got bigger issues. (laughs) Hey, listeners. Let's take this quick break to inform you about the course, Be Your Own Exercise Guru. It is actually my life's work, not only to inspire resilience through high quality fitness and this podcast, but now I have packaged the how to get all those things who in within exercise, if you're ready to learn. So In this industry, what we're really hungry for is to finally understand what actually goes into an exercise and how to customize it to meet our needs. I decided to really be that change, and that is the course, Be Your Own Exercise Guru. This program will take you through different parts of the anatomy of an exercise. It teaches you exactly where you could be weak and where you could be strong, and then gives you the tactics and confidence to go in there and change it on your own. Students can make exercise better without buying any new gadgets, owning any more equipment, getting a trainer, or relying on YouTube videos of complete strangers who can't help you personalize your unique journey. My goal is to empower you with education that you can apply immediately so that you can be in control of your exercise and create the best experience for your body and help you move beyond old injuries and tightness. So if you're ready for freedom in your movement, please check out the link in the show notes or head on over to impactyourfitness.net slash virtual studio. I look forward to learning with you and seeing you thrive. Now back to the conversation. But, you know, I just think we're entering in this age uh, where if we can 
look at the technology of our own body, then we can embrace it and take advantage of it. So I, you know, I just think we're just, the human body is just an amazing piece of technology. Like that's a kind of where I'm coming from. Do you know what I, does that make sense? Totally, yes. <laughs> it's resilient. I mean, it's ability to heal. Yes. Honestly, all we have to do is just get out the way. Yeah. As, as the carrier of the body, if you just get out the way, it'll take care of itself. You know, you just, you do the, the, the work, everything will fall into place. But what happens is we begin to overthink and put too much stress into the situation and then the body can't function the way it was designed. So, you know. Yeah. There's, um, I finally found a scientific word to match that. And it's called the mismatch theory of evolution. (laughs) So we are basically doing things that we weren't evolved to do, which makes total sense as I'm staring at you on a screen, right? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, (laughs) I, uh, you know, I'm so, um, can you think of a time that you couldn't really move that well? Like you had some, you were sick or, you know, getting over a cold or like when you have a newborn, how, how are you getting your movement in? Like, how does like, yeah, I guess the newborn thing's pretty fresh. So let's go there. (laughs) But ironically, um, so I put so much emphasis in my life on strength being strong and I never put emphasis on flexibility and being mobile. So that was a big learning point for me. And actually my kids taught me that. My son was on the ground playing with his toys and I was trying to get in a comfortable position to play with him. And it wasn't, it wasn't working out for me. You know, I couldn't sit cross-legged. I tried a 90-90. I'm like, this is so weird. This is a problem. Like I can't sit on the ground. So. I put a lot more emphasis now on um, mobility. I do, um, I got it from my friend, Max Shank. I do a five minute flow every morning. It takes five minutes. Five minutes. You, know, you go through some some form of movement, you know, it's body weight, usually like a flowy type deal. Um, throughout the day, I, I'm a big fan of little things add up. So some people like to do like, you know, they carve out an hour a day to work out. And that's great if that works for you. There are days where I can do that, but then with my busy schedule, there are days where I can't. So I do a five-minute flow. I do things like um, I have a game that I play, like when I walk in and out of doorways. I do push-ups every time I walk in and out of the doorway or, or whatever exercise I, I pick. Um, I try to do things like that throughout the day so that at the end of the day, those five minutes that I did 10 times throughout the day begin to add up You know, to a nice 50-minute session so sometimes I have to do that sometimes I can get a traditional you know hour workout that's a really good example of getting out of your own way exactly yeah because like we're stuck in this um construct of exercise has to be a b and c I have to sweat this much and I have to do it for exactly 55 minutes right yeah exactly (laughs) it's it's weird have you ever seen those shirts that like it says like now you can go home like and when the sweat gets on it 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 reads that like it, you have to sweat in order for the shirt to read whatever I hate those shirts mm-hmm. because I think it sends this false narrative that you have to be drenched in sweat to have a good workout and that's that's not true I think those people people who think that usually don't have a goal or something that they're working towards so you just pick something generic. I sweat a lot. But if you're working on pull-ups, if you sweat profusely, but you never get any higher in your pull-up, that was a failed session. Like you didn't, you didn't really do anything, you know? So that to me needs to to change. You have, have better metrics Mm. for your work. Um, okay. Back to non-traditional forms. I love, I love, yeah. Uh, because now I want to know, more about like the carries we were talking about that you were talking about. So again, like any creative items that have come out of zoom sessions where you're like, all right, time to do a carry. You don't have a kettlebell heavy enough. 
Like what is yeah. enough? What do you think, right? yeah. yeah. That's a very good question. So what I'm looking for, especially through Zoom, is, is more difficult. This has been the challenging in the training world. Oh my is God. For the... <laughs> Imagine that, right? Um, is for the form to break down. Mm-hmm. So I'm just a big believer in is it safe? Mm-hmm. So no matter what the low is, I just want you to be doing it in a safe manner. So um, there are several times that, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, kettlebells weren't even being shipped to people quick enough. They so were they wanted to, Yeah, so they wanted to buy them, but they couldn't get them. So now what do I do? So I would tell them before the session, do you have a suitcase? Like an actual suitcase, yes. Okay, cool. Go get rice, canned goods, anything. Put it in the suitcase. We're going to use that. That's now your carry. You can bear hug the suitcase. You could, you know, carry it like as if you're walking with the suitcase. Um, paint cans. I use those. Do you have empty paint cans or spare paint cans around the house? Um, the bigger, the better, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I also found the Zoom sessions a good time to hone back in on balance and you would never think that people could get a cardiovascular workout just focusing on that balance but it's totally possible have a person stand on one leg and then institute some artificial form of stress like make them kick the opposite leg put a band around their waist and tug at them you do that long enough and muscles start to fatigue and then you find that the heart rate raises that's a really fun example to yeah, I love that. It brings up so many things for me. One is that when we're doing balance exercises, it's an EMG studies can prove that your muscle, you know, you can have a lot of muscle activity around. And sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes it is, but it doesn't matter. It's showing you that the body is like working hard and yeah, so that's interesting um, because we think about doing like plyos on one leg, you know, just like right. sitting down on right. a bench and then like pushing yourself up with one leg, like that'll get your heart rate going. Um, oh. Yeah, but then you're saying, man, the stableness of that, that could be such a, it's an interesting regression that or progression for someone. I love that. Uh, I did not think of that. I would suggest like people who do the plyo stuff, like check in every once in a while. If you're doing a single leg uh, a pistol squat, you know, and you're jumping at the top, can you just stand on one leg with your knee in the air? Could you just do that for a minute? You should check in. If you can't do that, maybe you shouldn't be doing explosive pistol squats. Maybe you should regress, you know, and and check back in. But you know that that gets into the ego training and, and the mindset and all that. So I think yeah. that, I mean, that's a good segue because like some of this cardio stuff is like, it's conditioned to be egocentric. Like, exactly. because if you check this off your box, you've accomplished something, but potentially right. if you are under recovered, if you are exhausted from pretty much, you know, um, in your joints, in your mind, in your brain, if you are, I think everything goes back to under-recovered is what's going through my head right now. Um, then you really didn't do a whole lot for yourself, but the, like there's a societal conditioning for having us say, I did it, I'm good, and then we don't have to think about it anymore because that, you know, that's just the way we think it is, but, you know, there's just so much more to movement. That's the reason why I've, I've have so much passion for this podcast is because I just, I uncover stuff every single month, every single week that inspires me, you know, and part of what has inspired me is doing research for some of my recent podcast episodes, which is why I really wanted to talk about this subject because I'm kind of writing my own wrong here because I've, I've been such a, I've been such a easy to defame 
cardio as a, a bad thing and it's just not. So like, you're just, this is just therapy for me. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, same for me. I mean, I think anyone in the fitness industry that approaches things from the mindset of like, I don't know it all. Mm-hmm. You may have your wheelhouse, you're very like MAT. I know you know that, right? And I'm sure there are things you can learn, but you know it. Mm-hmm. But when we stay curious, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that's the best. I, I love being around people who are like that, who are always curious to learn more because then you have the potential for growth. Once you say, I know it all, there's nothing anyone can teach you or you're, you're willing to learn. So Yeah, that's... Yeah, thank you. Um, I enjoy that too, obviously. And the other thing is that I used to get, um, when we talk about ego, like kettlebell people, hello, like I think are some of the worst. You're like, you know, I'm thinking of someone in particular, you know, I'm going to use it for an interval workout, which is like where I use my kettlebell. like. Or interval training. And, but they'll be like, nah, it cures cancer. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're like so in, like such an exaggeration, but like, you know what I mean? Like, like, uh, Dragon Door. Like, they're, it's just like, that's the Bible, right? Yeah. And I think, uh, that turned me off a lot. And I was just like, oh, you, you know, you all think you can get every single piece of what you need from the kettlebell. And, you know, that really scared me away. So again, like, I'm just trying to right my wrongs here. That's how I feel about this, you know, whole episode and this topic. That for- no, I get it. I mean, to, to be clear for that, like, it's a tool. Yeah, I think a lot of times us as trainers, we forget that because we like something and you just get attached to it and you think that's the end all be all. And it's not. It's just a tool in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't, you don't screw in uh, screws with a hammer, mm. right? You use the proper tool. So a kettlebell is an effective tool. There's a lot you can do with it. It, it goes through a lot of different categories in fitness, but you can't do everything with it. You know, there's a reason the TRX is a thing. There's a reason the mace is a thing because um, these tools may do certain things better than the kettlebell. And you'd be wise to remember that, you know, not think that, uh, but that's so big in that community. And I mean, it, it, even the training to get the certification, mm-hmm. it's nothing but ego. Mm-hmm. You have to do a hundred snatches with a ridiculous weight. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Like, what does what me completing that mean? Like, it doesn't mean I could teach you how to do a snatch better. It doesn't mean anything. In fact, more people end up just hurt. That's what it does. It just breaks people, basically. So, you know, I'm not a big fan of all of the the, the hoorah around the kettlebell, but I love its effectiveness. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, for for what it's worth, I think I've I've I learned my I regained and re. Uh, I regained and re-upped my relationship with athleticism through a kettlebell. Gotcha. You know, my, my, my evolution of to who I am now as a fitness professional started with injury. Mm. So I've had to redefine who I am without soccer. I've had to redefine who I am while staying safe with my knees so naturally, when I first started that, I was scared of everything. <laughs> and it's true. I, I was so careful with my exercise. It was too careful. Like I, I may have not been nudging the needle to change my body. It's probably just maintaining, which I run into a lot of that fear as a, as a neuromuscular MAT specialist, because a lot of my clients have just, you know, they're three months out of physical therapy for their fourth time. And they're like, I keep doing this. And then they get too careful. And then that thing gets worse or just stays the same. Or it's, you know, like me where I got, I got pain-free and I didn't have any tightness, but I was like scared to perpetuate, like uh, instigate anything to create a back, um, 
you know, a fallback onto that. Anyways, so the kettlebell, when I learned it, and I, I did want to test out, but I decided like that was ridiculous that hundred, you know, the hundred snaps. <laughs> So, um, but, you know, it really showed me that, you know, the hips don't lie. And then, too, (laughs) and uh, it really helps me connect back to that athlete because it gave me a flow. It gave me a way to actually be creative with my movement, which I think is like one of the most beautiful things about kettlebell training is that there's you know, when you have one or two tools, you have to be creative. And so when you let the ego go, that you are allowed to be, you know, you can create. That is a very good point that I never thought about, but that is true. You have to relinquish the ego in order for creativity to come in because otherwise, I think that's where a lot of people get stuck with like writer's block or things like that is that your ego is telling you, you should be creative. Mm-hmm. should be you should be and you can't from that perspective and the moment you let that go then ideas can flow in and you're open to try different things so that's a good point i never thought about that yeah well big ups to kettlebells for that <laughs> um, yeah i think it was you know um now how i use it now i I, I do a, a belt squat with my kettlebells because uh, I got some heavy ones. I don't have any light ones. So, awesome. yeah, but I mean, that was my own chat. I had to learn a lot through quarantine. Right. And, you know, I, I got creative with <laughs> with my kettlebells in that way. So I was doing uh, belt squats and then did a drop set until I was exhausted. <laughs> and then like five minutes later, I did my jump rope. Okay. And in my, so now I'm in my late thirties. So when I do a double under, sometimes I, I feel like I'm going to pee a little, but <laughs> <laughs> other than that. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> It was, yeah, but other than that, you know, that was what I was doing for quarantine fitness um, and my isometrics. I love my isometrics, but that's it. That was it, you know? So it got me through another <laughs> another yeah. phase of learning and creativity for sure. You I know? do have a question for you though, Jen. Uh-huh. Um, so how do you, do you find that you have to navigate uh, with your clients like with mental strengthening, because like like you were just mentioning, when people go through injuries, the only thing they're thinking of is I never want to do this again. Mm-hmm. But if you like play a sport, you kind of have to do it again. So what tools do you use to help people overcome yeah. that mental block? I love that question. Um, the main tool I use is something called pain neuroscience reeducation. Okay. And that is a whole body of science dedicated to teaching pain at teaching pain neurobiology, pain mechanisms as the treatment. Ah, okay. So so the course is really great. It's called From Evidence in Motion. I I think anyone can take it. Uh that is in the health allied health field. I think everyone in our position should take it because the way that pain science works as a treatment, way the education works as a treatment. I don't have to put my hands on anyone and that is powerful medicine, right? Yeah. When you're just showing people that they're resilient through storytelling. Mm-hmm. And um this is the gateway pain science is a gateway to a reimagined uh, field of healthcare where it's affordable and transformative. Mm. And it's a beautiful thing. So I use pain neuroscience education. And so in the course, what they do is they teach you what I think is the fun stuff. Like I'm a physiology nerd Mm -hmm. and they teach you the neurobiology of pain. And then they teach you different analogies and stories 
and how to get that into your client or your patient's head. And so you just like the hardest part is like memorizing the stories, to be honest with you. Other than that, it's just like fascinating. Um, so that I, and that can take a whole hour. I, if I realize, so what I do is I set up yellow flags, like a, like a system to identify yellow and red flags. And so once we go through the initial pain neuroscience education, which is an hour, I can do it uh, in person or virtually. And then if, if I see that they're not connecting to that, that these ideas, I have a physical therapist that I recommend them to that will drill it into their head (laughs) um, very skillfully. And (laughs) yeah, her name's Jen as well. And she, yeah, she works at our studio and she's, she's amazing. So that's how I use it because I've met that roadblock so many times, like people's beliefs, about their pain and about their injury are the things that's that is hindering them the most and it's you know it's actually the you know it's a it's a very old kind of idea and saying but if you think it's true it is yeah you are creating your reality and your brain does not actually know the difference between something that you imagined and actually happened. And that can happen. I mean, that's the reason why we can't use eyewitnesses and, you know, in like a, like they're hard, it's hard, hard to rely on that information because it's proven that we're not good at recalling actually what happened. (laughs) So yeah, I, I rely on that. Um, And then there's a technique. Can you send it to me? Like uh, you have and I, play, I would love to tell. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's awesome. Um, and I think you know it's all virtual. It's really uh, well done. Um, and I think the other technique that I use is just called graded exposure, and mm-hmm. that is a technique where you're teaching people how to develop their intuition around mm-hmm. like when is it enough. Right. Is this fear? And a big one is like, is this fear making things worse? So Mm -hmm. there's a concept called the Sims and the Dims, and that's called safety in me and danger in me. So very simply, you have people write that out and say, oh, going off a curb and stepping off the curb is safe for me. I don't have to buckle in and tighten up all my muscles before I step off a curve, step off a curve because that's how they broke their ankle. Or, you know, um, I think like a good example is like if you were training a dog and, and your neighbor was scared of the dog and you know how, like you have to coach that person in a way to say, no, it's safe. Like this is our, this is our family member. And so it can be something similar with the injuries. You have to actually grade, you have to actually expose them to the stress gotcha. to like help them. And so that's one of my favorite things to do with clients. Um, I have our shared client do it all the time with uh, squats. And okay. on number two or three, you know, she'll already be like, well, I feel it in my hip. I'm like, you have to not like think about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. You know, cause like we can make that go away in like 10 minutes. Right. So, right. but if you leave this room and you're already thinking about that hip flexor, then, you know, yeah, yeah, made it, we, we have not made much progress. The other thing I think right. is really interesting to talk about in that regard is, um, oh crap. I just lost my train of thought. Hold on. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is it uh oh crap I already forgot yeah no that's that's and 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 then there's athletes right um teaching teaching resilience is a really big part of my job oh I know what I was gonna say uh the other thing that the trainers 
and I think, um, eh, yeah, this one's a tough one. I think if trainers overcorrect, they can they can instill fear about movement into their clients, yeah. which is might be good for their paycheck, but yeah. in a way. It could be. Yeah, because you'll see people, you, no one will ever hurt themselves. I say that. Yeah. Because they'll be too scared to do anything. Yep. Right? So um, there's a fine line with that, too. I, I'm a big fan of, I don't like, I don't like doing a few things, and I've heard different theories on this. I'm not a big fan, especially with kettlebells. I'm not a big fan of correcting people while they're doing something. Oh, my God. Especially, especially kettlebells. Yeah. Yeah. Like if somebody's doing a swing, I'll have you park the bell and then tell you what it is. But I see trainers like somebody swinging and they're like, fix your back. Don't do this. Watch your knees. Watch your feet. And this person is just trying to think about this exercise. Now you just threw them three other things to think about. We can't multitask. That's been proven. So something's going to slip. So um, I'm not a big fan of like over-cueing or under-cueing or, you know, you can, like you said, you can start to create fear and then now this person has a bad feel about a particular exercise because you're giving them so many things to think about that it's impossible to perform. Mm. I mean, that's, yeah, that's so true. And like not many trainers know that. Yeah. That for sure. It's something that I think could be a differentiating factor in your business and someone else's business um, if they choose to do that, because it, you know, making mistakes is part of the process, oh. as you know, with small children, exactly. you can't give them more than one thing to do. Right. Cause they're learning. <laughs> they're learning so hard. Exactly. Exactly. And so you learn. just like, I feel like your body wants to move, mm-hmm. it wants to do these things. You just have to guide it in the proper way. Build a good foundation before we just... That's one of the things I hate about Instagram and YouTube is that, you know, we, we watch these people do things and you don't see the journey to get to that thing. You just see a person do a, a muscle up on a pull-up bar and then you just go out to the bar and you're like, I'm going to do that. And you didn't see the thousands of pull-ups that they did to get to that point, you know? Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, the eye candy. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, uh, we live in that. But that's how I see a point, like, we, where you say, like, um, we're doing things we weren't necessarily designed to do. Mm-hmm. Well, that instant gratification is one of those things. Like, you had to go hunt for food to get the food. And now you just Uber eats it. It shows up at your door, you know? Like, <laughs> so it's not much work necessary to get the things that we used to have to work for, you know? Mm. Man, that is opening up a lot of little thought bubbles in my head here. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's so cool to think about our, our need to move and our need to um, eat in that context. Yeah. I love that. I mean, hmm, interesting. Um, I got, okay. So I got one, uh, interesting thing that I learned the other day that I want to run by you and see what you say. So there was a study done and it took like seven, 60 or 70 women menopausal age. And they divided them into three groups and they had them do an insane amount of treadmill jogging. Okay. Five days a week. They had to do 30 minutes every day which is a lot, I thought. And so one group did 30 minutes, one group did 45 minutes, and one group did 60 minutes five times a week. God bless that 60-minute group. Yeah. <laughs> well, only one of those groups lost weight. Mm. Mm-hmm. Let me guess, the 30-minute group. I don't remember. Let's oh. just guess. <laughs> interesting to think about thing to think about because like one that when I heard that anecdote I was like oh which group and yeah because they um 
because some people in that study even gained weight and some people stayed exactly the same. And then uh, it was like a decent majority of one of the groups lost weight and they were all the same age. They were all menopausal. And I just thought that was so interesting. And then I started reading a little bit more about female hormones. I have a birthday coming up, which is also why I'm reading a lot about female hormones. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what's your birthday? April seventh. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm thinking of um, you know what it means, what this, what that intermix of hormones means, you know, going forward, like you know the delicate balance of female hormones. And what that means for, you know, body composition and things like that. So, you know, I was guessing that the 30 minute group also lost the weight too. So I'll look it up. I just thought that was like a fun thought. Like yeah, that was my, my guess, just especially when you're dealing with, you know, women who are going through menopause, like Pushing them for to run for an hour a day, I think, might be overkill. Now you're raising their cortisol levels and stress is starting to put. So people don't realize that exercise is a stress. It's a good stress, mm-hmm. but it is a stress. And if you do it too long, it can become detrimental as versus being effective. Yeah, it'll actually make your... I think sometimes it can make your immune system go into overdrive and then you have no immunity. Exactly. And, you know, people need to realize, like I had a client the other day, he was doing presses and I noticed in the press, his legs were shaking, his hands were shaking, everything was just shaking to get it up. I said, sit the bell down. And he's like, I thought that was like good. I thought I was supposed to do that. And I'm like, depends on what you're doing, but I need you to realize that you just tax your central nervous system. It is done. Like it, it's shaking literally to tell you I'm in overdrive right now. So relax, you know, take a break. And I think sometimes we push the gas. So much emphasis is put on like, go hard, go hard, go hard. Push until you can't push anymore. That's not always the best advice. You know, if you're not getting paid for what you're doing, like fitness, or if you're not an athlete and you're getting a check for that, Maybe you don't push until you can't push anymore. If you're not making those sexy YouTube videos, get your get your ass in some strength training. There you go, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. The thing is, is like you need the muscle to recover. You know, that's the thing. Like you need high integrity in your muscle system to actually recover from 60 minutes of whatever, you know, like that's the thing. Yeah. I could talk about that forever. Um, I will say this to like, just, uh, cause we got to wrap it up. Um, you know, the funny, so the, the evolution that I just went through with my own cardio is one, I'm so I'm pretty, I feel very privileged in that I have access to red light therapy and a sauna. And so I just wanted to see how much those two things would move the needle. Okay. And they did on some things. um, But the combination of doing sauna and cardio in the same day just knocked it out of the park for me. Really? Yeah. And I only did, so I do, do the air bike. At 20 miles an hour. Okay. Flying. <laughs> Flying for um, uh, one mile at a time. Okay. So that's like three minutes at 20 miles an hour. Right. Rest for the right amount of time. So I rest a full minute. Okay. And then I do it again. Okay. Rest a full minute. So it's three minutes of work, one minute of rest. Okay. I think it. it's a good ratio. Yeah. Um, and I do that, I would do that three times and then get in the sauna for like 20 minutes minimum. And I did that for like two months, uh, a couple times a week. And then I tested my cardio and it was through the roof. Wow. I was like, yes, this was, it was so fun to, but the sauna alone did not. And the strength training alone didn't have the same effect. Yeah, doing it together. 
the sauna and the high intensity cardio together, like really move the needle for me. I noticed that heat affects my flexibility in that way. Ah, like that's why I prefer like a hot yoga or something that's like right. that. You do do the hot yoga. That's right. Well, not right now, but yeah, that right, was- right now. But um, I can't wait to to get back because um. Heat in general. I think I just haven't, like, you know who Wim Hoff is? I'm sure you've heard that name before. Oh, yeah. I've just gotten into that. Yeah. So, like, a lot of people love, like, the ice baths and, like, the cold. I'm the exact opposite. Like, I'm, I am have an affinity to heat. I don't know why, but the hotter, the better. The better I perform. I guess there's a cap, there's a point where that, you know, it becomes too hot. But mm-hmm. anything between you know, 90 to 110 degrees is perfect for me. And that's what a hot yoga room is, 90 to... I know it's usually about 90, 95. I, they go up to 110. Um, technically, traditionally, it's like 120, they'll do. But um, the ones here don't go that extreme. I wish they did. So did so when you were doing that regularly, you felt a difference? Oh, totally. Wow. Yeah. You haven't wrapped yourself in foil yet for <laughs> <laughs> uh, burrito Remy. <laughs> this close. <laughs> I actually bought a sauna though. Yeah. One on Amazon. It's this is box. It's like a it looks like a phone booth. Yeah. Know, um, and it's just a heating element in it. You go in, it gets up to about 120. Yeah, the the heat shock proteins is what that is. The heat shock proteins in the body uh-huh. get uh, get it. That's what that's what's circulating when you're going through a, a really hard sweat or a really hard workout. Gotcha. Those are the things that are like moving, Fiery, yeah. moving yeah. stuff around. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but it's the reason why saunas can like, you know, saunas and exercise can treat depression. Exactly. They can treat, you know, all kinds of um <sighs> I guess mental health disorders. And um, you know, it's something I recommend for clients if they have the means yeah. uh, for their own recovery. And so I was glad to like I got to have the chance to like dive into that myself because I knew the science on it. And then experiencing it is just, I'm so lucky. Like, that's the coolest shit ever. Like, are you kidding me? I get to run experiments on my body and like, they just make me stronger and better and like glow more. Are you kidding? God. I feel that way all the time. Like, I feel privileged that, you know, we have access to gyms and equipment and things that we can use to work on. Even a network, you know, just knowing so many people in this industry that if you tweak something or something went wrong, you know, I could call you and say, hey, I need to come in. <laughs> My leg isn't working right, you know, look at it, you know, so. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. So many blessings for having you in my circle and yeah. sharing you with my audience now. I'm so glad I had a chance to do that. Likewise. Yeah, um, I guess tell people where to find you and uh, if you've got anything special going on you want people to know about. Um, yeah, so, you know, you can always find me on, a, as much as I just talk trash about being on Instagram, you can find me on Instagram, um, M-N-E underscore Remy, um, you can check out our website, mnefitcamp.com, um, and yeah, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Right well, you do a lot of really high, good, like, quality content on Instagram, like, you're, you do live workouts, you, you host, um, your industry pals sometimes yeah Yeah. um so like those things who who do you do the live workouts for are they for yourself or they yeah i usually um just be like hey let's just motivate some people and throw a live workout out there you know and see what happens so yeah man that's that's it i wanted to uh Pick your brain about um, my L hangs and my my goal my pull ups from that position. That's a whole new thing for me too. That that's in the last like three months. I've been hammering at that. I want to do thirty okay. seconds with zero movement. Wow, that is phenomenal. I was really impressed when I saw the, the video of you. I was like, look at Jen out here getting after it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's heavy down here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because it's more ninja stronger than the average. That's all. (laughs) You know what? Learning how to do a pull-up is one of the best things I could do for my body. Yeah. Straight up. It is, as a female, I got to tell you, I think it's one of the most, I think it's an important, like, goal for, I think, every woman that's capable to do so. Yeah, every, every... Women in general, but everyone that I train, that's usually one of the first things that I have them do because it's humbling. It, it It's a true definition of your own strength mm. and you pull your own body up because it's functional. I mean, if you go hiking or something and you fall off the cliff and you're holding on, it's only for so long you're going to ha- hold there. So you got to be able to pull yourself up to save your own life, you know, so... Um, I think it's a great move. I, I thought it was cool to see you doing that. That was awesome. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you so much for being here. And uh, many congratulations to you and your family and thank your new you. home. Thank you. Yeah. And thank uh, you for having me. This is really fun. I'm really um, interested in your other podcast as well. I'm going to go check that out. Yeah. Those guys, I mean, honestly, like I've paid good money for, for courses that um, Paul has like taught like for real right he's doing and they are doing incredible content for free and it's it's amazing they they have these like research they have these i can't believe it's on my podcast feed (laughs) like they have they so they had one guest his name is dr david bame Uh there's there's two episodes with this man and if you as a personal trainer, just go back to like when you just started, you walked in the door to be a personal trainer right? and like, or somebody, you know, hired a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. His work has influenced you. Wow. On that level. As soon as you step into a personal training studio, his work has influenced you. Wow. And he, they like, I'm, I'm just in awe. I'm like, like, so right. uh, amazing. Yeah. So definitely check that out. It's for it's for people like it's for people like our clients, but it's really for people like us. Like, <laughs> all right, no wrong one. <laughs> Hold on, let's get get a good sign off here. Which one? We got the clapping. We got the blue one. Let's try this one. <laughs> Way to go, Jen! Thank you, Jen. It's been a pleasure, buddy. Bye. Thank you guys so much for being here. I had a great time with Remy. (laughs) As you can tell, we have a good banter and years of camaraderie to reflect on and share this conversation with you guys. I'm really glad you were here for it. If you want more of these conversations that are kind of easygoing and reflective, let me know. I like having them. And you can do that by signing up for the newsletter because it comes right from my inbox to yours. You can just reply and say hi. Let me know what you love. You can leave a review on iTunes. We would love that. And follow on social media. So Think Fit Be Fit podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can also hang out with the guys at Fitness for Consumption on Instagram at Fitness, F-O-R, Consumption. And they are, you know, regularly posting about their glossary terms and their, uh, the, the science behind their conversations as well. So good place to connect with them. And then I'm also on Instagram at Jennifer underscore Simone underscore Schwartz. Our guest today, Remy, is on Instagram at M-N-E underscore Remy, R-E-M-I. And Make No Excuses is his uh, fitness business name. He shares a lot of good stuff on Instagram about mindset, kettlebells, and he just keeps it real, like... He shows you what how he works out with his family, like in the same room, his baby, babies, and um, how he supports his wife. And he's just like a really strong presence. And I just obviously really appreciate his perspective and his honesty. And um, I'm happy that we are 
kind of neighbors in Alexandria, Virginia. So anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe because every download for this podcast like actually supports a small business. And let me tell you, I'm busting my butt over here to run a full-time clinic and uh, produce this podcast network. And I just, you know, I love it. So I would love your support. It would mean the world to me and the rest of the crew. Um, have a wonderful week and I look forward to hearing from you.